Hello and welcome to the Crypto Maces podcast, the official podcast of the Satoshi Nakamoto Institute. I'm Daniel Krawitz, and this is Michael Goldstein. Um, so today uh, we're going to talk about uh, app coins and Bitcoin maximalism. Yeah. Uh, we've been having some arguments about app coins again lately. So once again, it's time for an overarching refutation of the concept. Yeah. And... Um, then finally, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about Vitalik Buterin's idea of Bitcoin maximalism. So first, let's talk about why, why investments in general have value. So why, why does a stock or a bond have value? Um, well, a stock pays dividends and a, a bond pays interest. So for each of these kinds of investments, you're getting, you're getting money over time. And um, that incentivizes you to hold the investment uh, as, as a, because you, you could always be holding something else. You, there's always a limited amount that you can invest in. So there has to be something to keep you holding that thing over time. And if, if there isn't, then that makes the price of the investment go down, right? Because people don't want to hold it over some period of time. Uh, then if they want to hold it for, you know, an infinitesimal amount of time, then the investment is not scarce anymore because an infinite number of people can hold an investment for an infinitesimal amount of time. So it can't have a price unless there's some reason to hold it over time. So um, a stock can also go up and down, right? So you can buy it and you expect it to go up later. And that's why you have it. Maybe it doesn't even pay dividends yet. But it can't go up unless the prospect of future dividends is going up or, or – you know, the, the sell value of the company is going up. So in other words, there, the, the prospect of real resources coming to you from that stock is what causes the price to change, right? Um, if there was no possibility that the company was ever going to give a dividend or be worth anything, then, then its stock would not be worth anything. That... Uh, and, and the same, same with a bond. And, of course, you can say, you know, the, the dividend comes out at a specified time, once a month. So, you know, if really all you're after is dividends, why don't you just buy it right before the dividend comes out and sell it right after? Well, if you look at the price of a dividend stock, it, it does kind of a cease, a, 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 a sawtooth thing. The value goes up over a month um, to account for for the dividend that's about to be paid off. And then when it's paid off, its value instantly drops down to the amount of the dividend. So even if, even though the dividend is given out at discrete times, um, you're still earning that value if you just hold it for a smaller than a month period. Um, so this is, this is all about the scarcity of time and, and, and money too. Uh, but 
the 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 investments need to be scarce over time or else they're not scarce at all and they need to have some reason to make you want to hold it over time so now money money doesn't give out dividends it doesn't give out um uh funds so but but people still hold it over time right so we need to explain why that is um money money is a little bit more abstract but the reason you hold it over time is the fact that since everybody else is using money and lots of other people want it if you have a stockpile of cash you know that should some opportunity arise you'll be ready to take take hold of it and uh this this works best when you think about it in an investment kind of context because when we're just talking about consumer products i mean you can pretty much buy anything you want at any time but if we're talking about investments where opportunity is rare you need to be ready for that time so there could be a stock market crash at any time um it, no matter what there there could be it's hard to tell exactly uh when when the conditions are right for it so if you have cash on hand you're ready for when prices go down and you can buy stuff in, things in on, on the on the cheap that's what cash is good for and that's why you want to hold it over time because these opportunities don't come up all the time so you you need some on hand as an insurance policy okay so now you'll notice that um this this value of cash this uh this this reason that it works works best if everybody is using the same kind of cash yeah right if lot everybody had a different kind of cash none of them would work for the purpose of being prepared for opportunities because if the cash you have is something that nobody else wants then you're screwed and you know say you have a, a, an amount small amounts of a bunch of different kinds of cash instead of one large amount of one kind of cash that everybody uses well that that's still not as good right because people aren't for, for each of these individual kinds of cash not not everybody is going to want you're only going all, to be able to seize opportunities that accept that specific kind of cash right so so you're you're worse off um and everybody is better off if they all just start using one kind of cash because it's easier for them to make deals with one another um so there can be any any number of stocks on the market you want but there cannot be any number of any amount of cash any number of kinds of cash that you want there's always a tendency moving us toward one universal cash um so now based on that i think it should be pretty clear that app coins aren't going to work um well what why don't why don't you talk about what an app coin is first of all uh well, app coins are associated with distributed applications the idea is that you have a token on a distributed network 
um, that allows you to use a given service and providing that service earns you um, that coin. So in a sense, Bitcoin itself is an app coin. Uh, you need a Bitcoin token to be able to use the system to make a transaction. And the people who are providing security, the miners, receive Bitcoins as payment for their services, um, which they can then uh, use. But when we think about what that means, it ends up being another currency. Um, so each app coin is, in a, in, a, in a sense, its own currency. Um, yeah. Um, so if we have an app coin that um, that is um, provided by some very valuable distributed system, something that, um, I don't know, something that's magical. Some, it's a distributed system that um, uh, you know gives you whatever you want. It just magically pumps out uh, cornucopia of whatever. cornucopia coin. Yeah, cornucopia coin. That's a good. One. Yes, that's <laughs> what it's called. Okay, so this is a pretty fucking valuable distributed system we're talking about here. The app coin that makes it work is still going to be worthless, regardless. Unless this cornucopia coin, the cornucopia is so so valuable that people just switch and only use cornucopia coin. And cornucopia coin overtook Bitcoin. Because the, the only possible way of explaining the value of an app coin is as cash. It, it's not a stock because it doesn't give, give dividends, there's no logical reason why its price should be related to the value of the, the network or the services on the network. Because there's no, there's no connection between owning the coin and getting some value out of the network, right? You can pay the coin and you might get something, but that's not the same thing. When you own a stock, just just owning it gives you a continual advantage. And the same, same with holding cash. Holding cash gives you a continual advantage um, because it's providing random opportunities to you. So what, what will happen when, when people try to, try to use this app coin is that there's an incentive to hold it for the shortest amount of time possible. Um, because there's an opportunity cost to holding the app coin. You would always prefer to be holding cash rather than the app coin. So there, there will be services that come into place which help people to hold the app coin for very, very short times. And these times can be shorter than the block generation time of the, uh, the network, assuming it runs off the blockchain. It can be shorter than that time. Because you can just have a front-end service that holds a bunch and, you know, and, and it issues, uh, um, issues IOUs to, to other providers of the service and then they just, um, uh, oh, what's the word? You know, they pay each other off every hour or something. Um, then that, that lets people hold the coin effectively for fractions of a second. And as long as they can do this, 
as many people as you want can use the network and, and still drive the price down. The, the more efficient we make this process of holding the coin for a shorter time as possible, the lower its price goes. And it sounds at that point it would have been better to just use Bitcoin instead. Yeah, well, eventually the coin will become so useless that it is not you can't you can't actually use it to pay for the amounts required uh, of the network because it's not liquid enough yeah so eventually people would just use bitcoin and the the app coin itself would be it would be like a um like a uh like a a handshake or something it's like nothing it's just like something that's a rule required of the network but the value there it has no no value anymore and it's just a formality that you have to go through but there will really be some kind of bitcoin payment which makes it work b- between the um two participants in the network they'll just do a bitcoin transaction and the app coin transaction will be just meaningless so uh no more app coins please uh stop investing in in this idea um I don't know like what are it's just crazy it's crazy okay like what are people thinking <laughs> um yeah well i I always like to think of app coins as gift cards um which as soon as you try to uh, make the claim that someone would want to hold on to it um becomes rightfully absurd um you get a gift card for you know say made safe you're getting a made safe coin you can think of it like a made safe gift card you can use it to go redeem. made safe given that it's even able to retain this value yeah um which we're arguing it can't even do that um but you wouldn't you don't have a desire to hold that gift card because like you're saying you want to just like you don't want to hold any gift cards it would be nicer to just have dollars yeah um, well but it's really worse than a gift card because uh, gift card, yes. yes because and we should, we should say this because If you have, you know, $50 to Target, Target actually has sort of this contractual agreement to supply you with $50 worth of goods as opposed to the coin if it goes down it's whatever the price happens to be. There's no there's no uh guarantee by a, a central issuer that sure. And like nobody's going to provide any guarantee in a distributed system, right? If I enter the system and it says you you have to accept these tokens at a certain value i mean that's like how of, they how, that's one of the features of say bitcoin is the fact that like the the lack of guarantees because it there's there's no one that's able to uh, yeah. make arbitrary rules but also there's there's no way that the network can force me to to take the coin at a particular value because i can always just demand a bitcoin payment on top of it i can say like so according to the the rule you know this service is worth 6 cornucopia coins but i will also be requiring you know a bitcoin and a half on top of that so when you send me that and then you send me the 6 cornucopia coins then i'll provide the service yeah you know there's there's no way you can force you can force a price onto people that's kind of like um i mean it's kind of silly like you the whole point of this distributed system is that it gives people freedom and they can do what they want and interact with the network how they want and it's can be anonymous right 
you can't, you can't, you can't force behaviors on people because they can just leave and they can just do extra stuff that you're not watching, right? Which include demanding Bitcoin payments. So um, it's it's a silly idea. Okay, so now why don't, why don't we talk about this uh, this Bitcoin maximalism? Oh, sure. Maximalism. And, uh, I guess we should say if if you want to learn more about Daniel's argument for or rather against app coins. Um, on the Nakamoto Institute blog, you wrote an article called "App Coins Are Snake Oil." Right. Yeah, we'll be including the link below the uh, below the page. Yeah. Below in the about on this video. So okay. So Vitalik came out with a blog post called uh, "What's About Bitcoin Maximalism." What was it called again? Uh, something on Bitcoin maximalism. Yeah, I think that was it. Yeah. <laughs> so um, let me just say that I. Sincerely hope that Vitalik is a dupe and not a scam artist himself, because I always had a you know a lot of respect for him before he got into Ethereum, and I still you know I still recognize that he's uh, you know he knows what he's talking about as far as the cryptography goes, and his his articles on technical issues in in Bitcoin are are great. And, um, and and he really does a great job explaining important but obscure issues to to people and yeah. you know popularizing them. And uh, he clearly has a very deep understanding of Bitcoin, just not from an economic standpoint. And um, so I I hope he is not the con artist. He is just the one. He's just a dupe. Um, because that would make me feel really bad about him. Uh, but, like, Ethereum uh, may be an amazing technological feat if it ever exists. Well, it would, it would be. It would be, a, it, you know, a, it's a massive project. But, like, it's just not going to work. Like, so, okay, so first of all, he doesn't link to my altcoins articles or to my appcoin article. He doesn't link to that. Uh, and he doesn't try to respond to it yeah. very much. I guess I guess before you get into, into that, you should explain what it is he's defining as Bitcoin. Oh, yeah, good, good point. Um, so, well, th- that's the idea that Bitcoin is going to take over, right? That And, and also a related idea that w- we should help Bitcoin and we should ignore the competing altcoins. Right. And he seems to think that it's like a, like an ethical thing. And to some extent it is like, but it's really just a practical thing. Like the economically Bitcoin is the only, it's the only cryptocurrency that has a chance. And if it takes over the world, uh, great. The, the rest aren't going to do anything because uh, because like of this. Like we've described, if right. you cannot beat Bitcoin's network effect, your coin will simply not uh, be used uh, as an investment, something you want to hold. And because of that, it will, its, its value will diminish to zero. And so it's just practical. And if you don't like Bitcoin, your attitude should be, if you can't beat them, join them. Yeah, because that's really your only option. Um, 
So, but but he also talks about how how we make it out to be like a, an, an ethical issue, uh, like someone someone who is selling app coins is no better than uh, you know someone selling homeopathic medicine. That's why I call them snake oil in my. But you know, from my standpoint, some someone who is selling snake oil may believe that he's selling a real cure or, or homeopathic medicine or whatever we're talking about. Uh, but it's not. And you should know what you're doing. Like you shouldn't go around uh, selling fraudulent medicine, even if you think that it's okay. Cause you could have checked, right? You could have understood something about the scientific method and check the studies and realized that homeopathy doesn't work and it has no logical basis either. So the same thing here, like if you don't know anything about economics, you shouldn't, that's still not an excuse for going around and selling an investment that isn't going to work, right? Like that's not, that's not okay. You should have learned it, okay? You should have figured out what... what or rather, when presented with, the, with the, the case against it, you should stop and think about it and, and uh, um, update your, your position. Sure. Um, I mean, it's a fine line because there are lots of things that nobody knows. So it, can't, it doesn't make any sense to say it's immoral to do something wrong if, we don't, if nobody knows what the right way is. It's a... You know, it's it's a difficult question, but you know, from you know, to me, I, I think that somebody selling app coins, you know, that he's a threat regardless of whether he he thinks he he's deliberately scamming people or not, and people need to know to stay away from him. Um. So now, um, okay. So one thing that Vitalik does respond to is he respond he he links to my article the correct strategy of bitcoin entrepreneurship now of course this the stuff in that article is all justified by earlier articles such as the ones on altcoins um so i don't specific i don't explain that theory again in the the correct strategy article i just linked previous articles but Vitalik writes about this as if I, I've just been uh, I've just written a, a doctrine that you know that uh, I, I got from from you know God told me or something like like I'm just making something up and he he says it's psychological because I've already invested in Bitcoin so I'm coming up with all of this stuff to tell tell people to stay away from its competitors right. Why, why, what, I mean, what kind of assumption is this? That once you buy something, then, then you automatically um, think th you're automatically biased towards it. Yeah. Why isn't it that... Of course, you, that, would, that would negate any claims you were to make about Ethereum. That's, that's a good point. That's, yeah. So uh, you, you can just turn that around and say that because he is invested in Ethereum, uh, we shouldn't listen to anything he says about it. But why can't it be that you select the best investment 
beforehand. So you're biased towards it because you, you develop that bias first for, for, you know, reasons. Uh, he doesn't seem to get that. And, you know, he comes up with this big schema of all kinds of network effects. And, you know, none of them are what we're talking about here. So he, he, he says that there are currency network effects and blockchain network effects or distributed system network effects. And I think he had another category, uh, you know, and, and he says, you know, many times these different kinds are confused. Uh, that's true, but they're certainly not confused in my articles. It's clear that I'm talking about the currency. Yeah. You know, I don't care if people are talking about the same, you know, distributed system network. Um, we could have we could have a whole parallel Bitcoin P2P network that operates over completely different rules. And as long as there's some kind of connection between them, there's some computer that knows how to talk both languages, Bitcoin will still work, uh, you know, and there'll be just two two networks. I don't care about that, two two distributed system computer networks. Right? We're arguing simply which, which one is the more... Which one can we expect to have more value in the future? Right. So I'm talking about a network of people who own Bitcoins. That's the network I'm talking about. And um, so when you, when you evaluate investments and when, you try to, and when you try to explain them economically, you always have to talk in terms of the, their future value. What's going to happen in the future? And the past is completely irrelevant um so but um vitalik's categories are are always things that are about the the present or the immediate past that's he he only sees network effects in in these terms could you could you give an example of like the the immediate past um well uh so the um, the the Bitcoin P2P network that's a big network and lots of or, or the Bitcoin blockchain like lots of people use that and consequently it has a lot of hashing power behind it and so it's reasonable to use that if you're trying to hash uh, hash documents and provide a proof of existence at a certain time. That is the, um, that's the best blockchain to use, right? But that has nothing to do with investment. Like the Bitcoin uh, hash rate could go, could go, um, you know, thousands of times lower. And the, the strength of, a proof of existence from before the hash rate dropped would still be just as strong because we'd still have the same difficulty behind it. So when we're talking about a network effect to the, uh, that is created by the hash rate uh, of the, the, the Bitcoin uh, system, that, that is, that's not, that's not future oriented. Um, if, if another coin got a higher hash rate, you know, people would just switch over eventually. But when we're talking about a network effect for currencies, 
we are inherently talking about the future. And we're talking about the future value of the currency. And nobody's going to buy Litecoin if they think that nobody else is going to buy Litecoin. Like if they, if there is a realization that uh, the, the best money is the one that everybody uses, then they're always going to go to the bigger network or, or at least the one that the, if lots of people agree that one network has the best prospects, then everybody else is just going to agree with them just because there's already a consensus. Even if they like another coin better, it's still irrational to try to move to the other coin. Um, So when we talk about Bitcoin's network effect, um, we're talking about providing uh, opportunities to be liquid in the future. And um, the, 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 you know, the appearance of the, the Bitcoin market now where there are lots of alts and there are all these, you know, supposedly promising new ideas. Um, you know, a lot of that is just, is, is just illusion. And uh, we can say with some... Um, with some confidence that these extra extra coins aren't going to go anywhere. Uh, it's, it's just that not enough people are saying that yet. Uh, well, do you have anything to add? What else do we have? Did I miss anything? Uh, in terms of the Bitcoin maximalism? Yeah. Uh, well, I think uh, one of the other interesting arguments you try to present uh, concern public goods um, yeah, trying to like crowdfunding as as this source of um, you know reason why you would want to invest in um, one of these competing chains. Um, in the example, like Ethereum was able to raise what, fifteen million dollars or so, um, and that was seen as a public good. But this this assumes that Ethereum was a public good, and assumes that simply like raising that money solved a problem. Um, which I think was is, is uh, <laughs> uh, well. You talk about like psychological uh, bias, right? It's like oh, because we were able to raise this money, we solved a public good. Yeah, like Ethereum is automatically a public good, right? Like, come on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so meanwhile, Bitcoin has raised how many billions? Yeah, and it's. It's it's solving a, a public good of providing a, a good money. So, um. so right. So it's really kind of um, well. This is this is no no different than um, Stephen or uh, uh, um, David Johnston's article or uh, idea that you can you can um, fund open source projects by releasing an app coin, like. I mean that is so ridiculous. It's like the show short-sighted. Like yeah, you, you're you're raising money by doing a, a pump rather than giving people a reason to invest and yeah have this have these dividends or whatever it might be. And it's so bizarre because like people know that pump and dump schemes are wrong in the normal world. So like what? 
I mean, this is just goes back to this thing where, pe- you know, people used to say to me, like, oh, I just don't get Bitcoin. And I'm like, what's not to get? It's a currency. Like, what? It's exactly like the currency that you use every day. What, what is your problem, right? So here we have people doing pump and dump schemes, and they somehow don't know that it's wrong, even though everybody knows that it's wrong in the real world, right? So, you know, you release your, your app coin, and uh, you make a bunch of money, but eventually people are going to figure out that that doesn't work, right? Like, once people start to get the idea that uh, that app coins aren't good investments, then you can't crowdfund with them anymore. The only reason it works is because people are duped. Yeah. Um, so saying that the... Uh, you know, the crowdfunding model solves a public goods problem is uh, ridiculous and um, and short-sighted and foolish. Yeah. And yeah, crowdfunding seems to be um, one of the things that the, the Bitcoin community wants to point to as a sort of one of many killer apps um, that this new... Uh, technology allows. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it might be safe to say that in many ways crowdfunding is overrated. Hey, I have an idea. Why don't we crowdfund a platform that allows people to crowdfund future crowdfunding platforms? That's the kind of this is that's the kind of idea that goes around in the Bitcoin world that people would think are good. So anybody is free to to I use believe, that. I believe. <laughs> A swarm app wouldn't that fun, fall under that category? Uh, could be. I haven't checked it out. Um, <laughs> Remember, one of those the the purpose of the app coin was for crowdfunding. Yeah. So by crowdfunding for it, you are crowdfunding a crowdfunding. So platform. remember, there was this guy we once met here who said that he had swarm coin. <laughs> But he didn't know what it was. Does anyone know what Swarmcoin is? I invested in it. Yeah, but I don't know what it is. <laughs> this is uh, this is what happens in the Bitcoin world. I'll be yeah. really glad when this is all done because it's so bad. It's like what? Like you just just buy you just buy you can create anything no matter how useless it is, and you can hype it up because there just isn't this. Uh, there, there isn't this common knowledge about what best practices are around here. Like, yeah. Now, I, I'd like to say, you know, I, I do wish Ethereum all the best, you know, um, with with what they do. Um, but if we want to be cynical, um, which I can be cynical sometimes, they have raised fifteen million dollars, and there is no obligation for them to return anything to the people who gave that money. Well, I don't wish them the best. I don't know why you're saying that, but I'm saying even, even if like, if we want to imagine any sort of crowdfunded cryptocurrency platform, yeah, there's no obligation to return uh, any investments upon failure. Like you might have with uh, the way Kickstarter does it. Um, so, like, they, they have received X amount of money, in this case, $15 million. But technically, if, if they do not produce anything, 
they still have that money. Um, they also, uh, you know, uh, they, you know, there's also the possibility of losing coins. Um, you can do that with cryptocurrencies. You can simply lose them to a to an address you may or may not have. Uh, I don't understand why they would do that. That isn't. But I'm 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 not trying to make an accusation or a a or a, a theory about what will happen with Ethereum specifically. I'm talking with with in general. Oh oh right 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 yeah 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 okay yeah you're talking about the fact that it's very easy to simulate a hack to claim that your right, cold exactly. storage as, as was we've seen with, yes um, was it uh, Atlantis or uh, one of one of the. We've seen this many, many, yeah, many. Times. I, I just remember specifically it was after Mount Gox went down. There was the dark market website that was like, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, we got transaction malleability too, and all of their money got stolen. Yeah, I think that might have been um, black market reloaded. Okay, because as I recall, Atlantis just disappeared a couple of weeks after opening with no explanation at all. Um, the name was trying to tell us something. Yeah, <laughs> I guess so. Um, but I, that's that's an important thing. I, I covered this a little bit in, in my article, Everyone's a Scammer. Um, when you're dealing in, in cryptocurrencies, um, because of the high opportunity cost of not holding on to whatever happens to win, which we obviously think is Bitcoin, um, there's there's a, a heavy sense of, of caveat emptor you know, buyer beware. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's very dangerous to even think about playing around with these things because um, so far, we, in many ways, we don't have these these institutions yet. They have not developed to which you can, um, you know, engage in these with uh, any sense of legal recourse. Yeah. Um All right. Well, I think we've covered everything. So uh, let me close by saying, uh, Vitalik, you are uh, you're welcome to to come back in the Cool Kids Club <laughs> um, once you uh, once you get out of Ethereum. Satoshi Nakamoto Institute is the official sponsor of the Cool Kids Club. Right. <laughs> uh, we uh, um, as long as you're not you're not the con artist and you're just a dupe, then you're We'll be we'll be happy to welcome welcome you back back into the cool kids club. 